Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our next series. And today we have a joint conversation for you. And this one's called The Road to Healing and Gratitude. The question for you to get started with today is, is there an area of your life that you feel like you need to keep proving yourself? Enjoy. We're in part 322 of our 700 part series in Luke. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, this one's all about how do we get to healing and how do we talk about healing through this idea of gratitude. And so to do that, we gotta talk about a couple things. We gotta talk about, we all want healing. We gotta talk about what it means to be on the way. And if we're on the way, we gotta talk about accepting and proving. We've all been there. No kids in the room. Fuck you, priests. <laughs> there was a three-year-old in the room last time, and the parents said, ah, she hears it all the time. I'm like, good parenting? I don't. Mom, that's the words you say. Yeah. Thank you, God. Um, chef's table and juxtaposition. And so to get us going, first name greatest, last name ever, Brittany Beans Baron, everybody. <laughs> What an intro. Uh, okay, so yeah, we're gonna start uh, and we're gonna have this conversation coming out of Luke uh, chapter 17. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus saying, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Sick burn. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So here's what we have going on in this passage. You have these 10 men, and it says even that they start at a distance, right? They're already outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the place where everything happens. This is the hub. So they're already on the outskirts of that. They're already on the margins. And then they have leprosy, so they're standing at even more of a distance. And then they come and they ask to be healed by Jesus. And then what does it say? It says, go reveal yourself to the priest. And what happened? When were they healed? On their way. This tells us that healing is what? A process and happens on a, the way. We gotta be doing something, we gotta be moving. We talk about this a lot. Luke has so many stories of Jesus and most of them happen when he's on the road, right? Um, healing happens in change, in transformation, not when we're stagnant. There's something beautiful about these men and their healing happening on the way. So they show themselves to the priest and only one returns and is the Samaritan. And it's huge that they point this out because the Samaritan, not only were they on the outskirts, not only were they at a distance because they had leprosy, also this person is a Samaritan. 
So you think about who's the outcast of the outcast of the outcast that is this person. And that is the one person who what, returned to thank Jesus for what had been done. And so there's this reality at a place like New Abbey that all of us want healing. That's not unique to New Abbey. That's pretty specific to all of humanity. Um, but all of us, a lot of us find ourselves finally finding healing in a really unlikely place as we sit together in church, right? Because for a lot of people in the room, some of your wounds and things that you want healing from came from church. Okay, so what a funny place we find ourselves in as we are all here trying to do this healing thing together. And we talk a lot about in this space, uh, like Brene Brown, right, to quote her again, says, my healing is inextricably tied to your healing, and your healing is inextricably tied to my healing, and all of that is tied to the healing of the world. We want this thing to happen. We need to find healing, and all of us want to find healing. But sometimes here's the temptation, and here's what these people are experiencing. They have been outcast from a community. There's somewhere, there's a hub where you say everything needs to happen. There's an apex. There's a place you need to be. There's a thing you need to do, and they were on the outside of that. They were on the outside of that, and once they received healing, you have a few options. Go back to where you found healing, or go back and try to prove your worth and your value to the people who push you out. This is not unique to the 10 lepers. If you're anything like me, you've already experienced this, right? I experience this tension a lot. What am I going to do now that I've experienced healing as a queer woman who grew up in the church? Am I going to spend my time going back to the priest and demanding that they finally accept me or am I going to go back to the place where I found the healing? This is a really tough tension to live in because they are both pretty valid. We need to call out systems. We need to call out corrupt power. We need to call out people who are doing things that are wrong. But we cannot forget that there is something bigger than us happening and there are places to find healing. I've struggled with the tension of, all I want is an apology from one specific person. Do I continue down my road of healing or do I just go knock on their door until I get it? If you haven't experienced this, then congratulations, right? But if you have, then you know the tension. You know that if I keep going down this road, I am experiencing healing and it's hard and these things, but they're happening. But then there's also a part of you that just wants to go to the priest and say, F you, right? F you, priest. And then there's a part of you that wants to say, thank you, God, right? And those things exist in that tension is real. And in a community like ours, I want to call out the real um, reality that a lot of us, instead of over-spiritualizing things, which we have been in places where we do that, we under-spiritualize it. And instead of balancing some of these calling out of the systems and gratitude, we can be the people who are going back to the priests and forgetting where the healing is happening. That's a harder thing to hear for a lot of people who have been on a lot of the margins, which is our community. That's a beautiful thing about this passage. Jesus is saying, go and call out and remind the priest that you had worth all the time. You'll find healing in that process and come back to where the healing happened. As Corey and I were talking about this this morning, we got down to a fundamental question of what are you returning to? Are you returning to the place where you need to prove yourself, or are you returning to the place when the healing happened? And that is the fundamental question, I think, for all of us. We all know that the magic happens in the process and in the journey, but there's still these 
old tapes in our heads where we want to arrive at something. We want to come to a destination. In a lot of ways, even the theology that we grew up with was that, right? That somewhere we're going to arrive in a place with pearly gates and Philadelphia cream cheese and cherubs and whatever else is going on up there. But that's really difficult. It's really difficult when the theology like that is based on in this moment, you just raise your hand, everything will get fixed. And when you die, then you'll go to a magical place. And that's where the healing happens because it's not. The healing happens in the journey, in the process, in the questions, in the figuring it out, in the wondering. New Abbey is this magical place, in my opinion, where we don't want to give you better answers. We just want to help you ask better questions. But we know that in this place, like in other places of your life, this is not the final destination. I hope that New Abbey can embody for all of us a place in which on our paths in life, in our journeys, it can be a place where we stop by, we find healing and health, and that we get to offer that healing and health to other people. And the power of this place is that healing is happening not because we're just talking about ideologies. It's happening because of the diversity of narratives in this room that we experience every week and that you experience each other. It's a we that's taking place here. That as you hear your stories, as you hear my stories, we hear our stories with one another. We enter into this process of healing in a new way each week because we simply say, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only human being who's ever gone through this, or that's applicable to my life, that there's some magic in this process, in this journey of figuring things out. The thing that we do well here all the time is when we think about incarnation, we think about the fullness of God and the very best of humanity intersecting. We do well with the very best of humanity intersecting piece. We, we do really well with this idea of telling people to go to therapy right? And telling people to get spiritual directors and telling people to do all the parts that you're supposed to do, right? These um, uh, lepers showed up on the road and they saw Jesus, but there's also a part where we have to acknowledge that in healing, there's a place for gratitude, acknowledging what God does. We're the opposite community of most faith communities. A lot of faith communities are like over-spiritualizing everything. Did you guys grow up in a place like that? I certainly did. Right? Where people, I remember when I first started preaching, you know, and I'd have to like say the thing, like, it wasn't me, it was just God working through me. God sat there for 40 hours this week? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and there's like a false humility that I was supposed to have. Of course, I know that God's gonna do God's part. And I also know that I gotta do my part. No one comes into a marriage and says, we're 50 50. No, you're 100 100. Give it your all. Do all of the things that you're supposed to do on this journey to find healing. And then let's also acknowledge and trust and thank and praise and live in honor and wonder of a God who's also doing God's all. That's where it's at. And it's difficult to get there sometimes. But that's what we see on the journey is that this leper comes back and acknowledges who Jesus is, acknowledges the work of God, while at the same time, like all of the other lepers, you know what he wanted more than anything else? To go back to Jerusalem, to go back to the temple, to go back to the priest, to go back to the very people that had hurt him, but the very people that he wanted acceptance from. And we've all been there. We so desperately want the acceptance of the very people who've hurt us. We so desperately want the acceptance of our families, of that church, that relationship, that toxic job environment, you name it. How many of us have stayed in things for way too long because we just so desperately want the love of those people? And then how many of us work through that and then now all we want to do is prove our point to anybody, right? I went to college 
So if you went to college, you understand what it's like to be a sophomore, right? Where you have all of the answers, right? I grew up in a family that was much more fundamentalist and conservative, and they had a lot of answers about God. I remember getting to a point one day of recognizing, oh, everything that they keep talking about God, they call it good news, but it sounds like a bunch of bad news. And I was so excited to go off to APU and get my biblical studies degree so that at Thanksgiving, I could tell them how wrong they were. (laughs) And they didn't appreciate it as much as I would have thought, right? I had the gift of a degree that I can now dispense for them. And all of the biblical information was in my 19-year-old body, praise God. (laughs) And in a lot of ways, what was I doing is I wanted their acceptance, right? I believed that there was this bigger, more inclusive, robust story of God that was out there, and I had no maturity behind me of how to share that. I didn't even have healing yet. All I know is that I was deconstructing something. I was letting some things go, I was working some things out, and the only way I knew how to deal with that in the world was to making and proving a point to them. It was years later, Years later, through a lot of therapy and spiritual direction and mentors and just getting myself humbled by some people, right? that I didn't have to prove my points all of the time, but I still recognized that I wanted to see change in them, right? But I also at the same time wanted acceptance. And that the way of Jesus is honoring both realities in us. Honoring the reality, of course you want acceptance. These are the people that you love. These are the people who gave you the life that you so enjoy, right? And of course you want to prove a point, because that's crazy, right? Some of these things are wild and the world does need to evolve and the world does need to change. It's a reason that I love Chef's Table so much, right? I love Chef's Table because it's all these stories of cook after cook and chef after chef who recognizes the deep tradition and past that they come from in the culinary world, but that this thing needs to move forward, right? That the best cooking in the world is not just coming from France and Italy and where all the white people are. Right? There's this beautiful, diverse culinary experience that's happening on planet Earth, and we have access to it. And of course, the story of culinary, right, culinary food, food should get bigger. And if that's true about chef's table, how is that not true about God? And at the same time, of course, you want to go back to the very places, right, that gave you life, and then you want to challenge it. But the third way forward is finding healing in that process and trusting and thanking God for where God's taking you in it. This week was wildly painful for me. It was painful for me because I love Dave and it was a major loss. But it was also painful for me because on Tuesday morning when we, Brittany and I got a good chance to go spend some time with Dave, I mean with Sissy, I'd gotten a text the night before that my aunt who's been dealing with cancer for 17 years was in hospice and on her deathbed. But I've had a strained relationship with my family for the last five years. Because in this journey of acceptance and proving my point, I had many Thanksgiving tables or Thanksgiving dinners where I would come to the table and I'd prove my point and I would offend my conservative family, right? And I would be offended by them. And about five years ago when we started New Abbey, I remember the very first conversation with them where my mom calls me up after that Thanksgiving dinner and she's crying on the phone and she's saying, what happened to you? I hear you're starting a cult. What? (laughs) Yes, your aunt told me that at dinner you talked about Rob Bell. And Franklin Graham told me that Rob Bell's a false teacher. And we're like, Mom, let's pause, right? And let's catch me up with everything that I'm missing here in this story. (laughs) And it was that moment that, although it's humorous now, is incredibly painful. 
It was incredibly painful that the, what I wanted to do with my life is I wanted to leave the sure, safe thing that paid me the really nice paycheck where thousands of people showed up and I was making moves in that evangelical kind of world, right? And all of a sudden, what I said to myself is, I want to tell a story of God that I believe is truer to Los Angeles at that time in 2013. And to do that, I want to tell a story that's more inclusive and bigger about who God is. And that's going to include things like our sexuality and money and doubting and wondering. And there's like supernovas out there. And this thing's expanding outward at like 70,000 kilometers an hour. And we don't talk about this in church and we should. (laughs) But as I went through that process, I had people back home in the temple and at Jerusalem who were terrified of what was happening to me. And slowly but surely, as I began to offend them, they began to offend me and we didn't have a relationship anymore. And I always remember the day that my own family members are weeping and crying and letting me know that I am now a false prophet and that I am now a heretic. And I remember the Thanksgiving dinners and the Easter's in which I was no longer invited to anymore. And I'll remember the day that I get the call because we would marry gay people. And now I've completely misused the word of God and I'm leading people to the pits of hell. And that loss as painful as it was, as painful as it is, all the points that I want to prove, there's still something deep inside of me that I just want to be accepted by my aunts and my cousins and my family. And so this week after we left Sissy's house, it's like, you know what? I haven't talked to him in three years, but I just got to reach out. I reached out to my cousin and I said, I know Aunt Janet is dying. She was a kind and she was a gracious woman. I know we haven't seen each other in a long time. I would love just to come and pay my respects. And for two days, I didn't hear anything from them. And I kind of knew the answer that was going to come back. And I remember receiving that text that says, thank you for reaching out. But she doesn't want to see you at this time. And six hours, she died. And the realization that this journey, this process of health and healing and transformation and maturity will come at a cost. And it comes at the cost because of course you want acceptance. They're the people you love. And sometimes the very people who hurt you. And of course you want to prove a point because you believe there's a deeper truth that you know now about this God and about what humanity can become and where we're going. But it's not the final destination that we want to move towards is maturity and trust that God will be with us in these processes. I don't have all of the answers for how that's going to look and what that's going to mean. I don't have all of the answers for your life about how you're going to get there. The one thing I want to lean back on though is that I want to have gratitude and trust that God is going to do God's part. And I don't say that trite. I don't say that in some simplistic way, but it's a thing that I lean back on because if not, I will be bitter and I will be resentful and I will be angry, and I will burn the house down. But what kind of future and hope is that for the next generation? What kind of future and hope is that for us? I want to end with a conversation. What is one thing you can do this week to remember gratitude? As you're in this journey, wherever you're at, I understand that for some of you, you're like, I have gratitude, man. I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I am in all those things. Great, be honest about that. And if you're in a place of, honestly, I've been resentful for too long. I'm tired of Jerusalem, but I also just don't want to hold all this stuff all the time. Maybe you have an opportunity to share that. Wherever you find yourself, find the same three or four people, take an opportunity to answer this question. Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.